Welcome to the Hope City Drip. This is a podcast of Hope City Church in Clinton, Iowa, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. And we know that life can be busy and hectic, and so whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you have littles running around at your feet, or you're a shift worker and you're laboring long and weird hours, whatever you do, this podcast is made for you to hear and to digest the mission and vision of Hope City Church. It's a vision drip, so you let it drip at your own pace. You can press pause when you need to, rewind, adjust the speed. Whatever you need to do, we hope this podcast serves to help you live for the glory of Jesus and the joy of your local community. My name is Nick Powell, pastor of Hope City Church, and on this week's episode, I'm going to talk about the church. Uh, a little, maybe a little in the abstract for you at first, but I want to talk about, uh, this has been inspired by a few conversations I've had recently, um, some, some really cool and uh, interesting conversations I've been having with folks um, have been about church, uh, and I know that sounds, duh, duh, you're a pastor, you probably talk about church all the time. Uh, this is true, I do talk about church quite often. But what I'm, uh, what I'm t- referring to is I've had some conversations with people who I can tell don't really understand uh, the biblical idea of what the church really is in its, in its essence. And what I mean is, I ha- let me tell you, illustrate this by a story. So this story uh, is not any one particular story, but it's, a, it's like a general, like this has happened to me multiple times. Um, sitting with somebody, and inevitably somebody's like, hey, what do you do? Or, you know, I share with somebody that I'm uh, planting a church or helping start a church, however you phrase it, like we're, we're planting this church. And they're like, oh, cool. Like, where do you meet? Where is your church is what usually someone says. Where is your church? And, and I say, well, right now we're in our house. We just have a small core team and, you know, we don't really need to spend a bunch of money on rent at some facility. Like we have a small core team. We're starting from the beginning here, starting from scratch. And so we don't have a building. We have, well, we have my house. And they're like, oh, okay. So, so where's your church going to be? Where are you going to, where is your church going to be? And it's like, well, what do you mean? Like the question doesn't make sense. Our church is here. We are the church already. You're asking where is our church going to meet? That makes sense. But where is our church? Our church is here. Like, and so I was having a conversation with somebody recently and it was, it was a really cool conversation. I don't mean this to be derogatory to the person that I was having this conversation with. Um, it just illustrates, I assume too much (laughs) with people. Uh, it doesn't make them dumb. It just makes me, I'm like in my own little world reading theology all the time. And so, uh, I assume too much about, yeah, you guys are all reading the same books I'm reading too, aren't you? And so I'm having this conversation. I'm like, yeah, I'm planting a church. And they're like, oh yeah, cool. So what church do you go to? Because <laughs> uh, I'm like, no, I'm I'm starting a church. I go to our church, the church I'm planting. That's the church that I go to. And they're like, oh, so when are you going to meet at a church? And so this is, I'm being kind of cheeky, but like the way in which people use the word church usually refers to a building. You know that. Uh, and I do that. I do that with my daughters. I mean, I drive by beautiful church buildings in Clinton and I, I call them churches. 
I mean, it's just like the way we talk. That's how we use language. It's easy. Uh, it's commonly understood that you call that big building across the street with the huge steeple a church. Now, the reason that it's important to also understand, even though we call that a church, it's really not the church. The church is not a building. It's not the brick and mortar. And this is incredibly important to understand as a Christian. And so what I'm going to do in this quick podcast is I just want to give you a quick biblical overview of what the church is. Uh, and I'm going to say what the problem is with misunderstanding what, uh, what you're under, like if you misunderstand what the church is, I'm going to give you, uh, my take on from personal experience, what the problem is. If you misunderstand what the church is, and then I want to, um, give you a little encouragement. So let's start with the biblical overview. Uh, in the Bible, the, the church, the, where we, where we get the word church is from the Greek word ecclesia. And now I'm no biblical scholar here, but uh, I've read some guys that are. And ecclesia essentially is, uh, it's rooted in this Greek um, word that talks about uh, being a gathered assembly. So like the quote unquote secular usage of it. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a church or it's not a word that Christians made up. Uh, it's church is rooted in this Greek word ecclesia. And Ecclesia just generally means gathered assembly of people, uh, people that are assembled together. But there's also a connotation that's uniquely Christian to this, which is rooted in the idea that these people, like the act of assembling is part of the uh, definition of the word church. So church, when Paul writes to the churches in the New Testament, he's addressing uh, his, his letters to the church in Corinth, uh, the church um, at Ephesus, or the church in Thessalonica, like the uh, the he's saying the church, and what he means is not just the folks that are gathered together to worship Jesus, but those that have been called out to be gathered together. So they've been summoned. Someone has called on them to come together and to worship God. And that someone is God himself. So this is woven into the understanding of what the church is, is that we, we aren't just a bunch of people. Uh, Christians aren't just a bunch of people that merely decided we are going to spend our time on Sunday mornings uh, worship, worshiping Jesus. Uh, we were called on by God, called out of this dark world, um, and we are put into God's um, new kingdom. Like we're living a new life. Uh, basic born again Christianity is that God has given you a second chance. God has given you a new lease on life or a new way of living. And so he has called you out of your old life, your old ways, the darkness of the world, and he's brought you into a new way of living with him and with others. So he's called us out and he has called us to assemble uh, and to worship Jesus. And so Paul's letters, when he's addressing to those churches, that means that it woven into that understanding of church is that it's local. Like if you've noticed in the New Testament, like 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, Thessalonians, Ephesians, those are places, those are cities. And so Paul's understanding and usage of the word church refers to um, people located in a particular place, uh, in, a, in, a in a particular geography, 
And uh, these people have been called out by God to come together for the common purpose of, uh, of worshiping God, basically. And what I want to do now, oh, also, sorry, so that's the local understanding of the church, but then there's also the usage of the word is also universal. So the church is also referring to all Christians. So Jesus, when he says that he's going to build his church in Matthew 16, 18, and that the gates of hell won't stand withstand it, it's uh, that usage of the word church is referring to every single Christian. So some people have put it this way. There's big C church and little C church. You know, if you capitalize the word church, then you're referring to all Christians. If you uh, just use the word church with a lowercase c, then you're referring to a particular group of Christians. So there is a Hope City Church, which would be Little C Church, it's where the local church. And then there is, um, you know, the church, the church in general, you know, the global church. That would be Big C Church. So the church, uh, and nothing in that, what I just said in that definition that's rooted in the Bible, nothing refers to uh, a building. So the when Paul writes to the church, he's not writing to a building. I know that sounds simple, but it's I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just saying that, that uh, you have to understand that that part of the definition is it's people. So there's three portraits of the church that Millard Erickson, uh, he wrote this theology book. He wrote a systematic theology called... Uh, well, called Christian Theology, Christian Theology, third edition. And uh, I find it helpful here. He, he points out when he talks about the church, there's three portraits or illustrations of the church. And so I'm just going to mention them, and then I'm going to reference a piece of scripture. So you can go to it if you'd like to. But uh, number one portrait is the people of God. The church is the people of God. And we uh, get that understanding of the church being the people of God in passages of scripture, for example, where it says, uh, Paul writes in second Corinthians, uh, six 16, he says, um, I will live with them. This is God talking. I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. So this is, this is like God. So the church is God's people, people he chose people he chose for his own possession to mold them and to shape them into new types of human beings that will conquer the world through love and be a light to the rest of the world on how to live life a better way, more fully human and more fully rooted in God. And so the first portrait that we're given here, um, which is rooted in what, uh, what is called the covenant this is, this is why uh, oftentimes you may hear the phrase covenant people of God. Covenant people of God essentially means that God has chosen people and he has promised to these people something. And that promise essentially is that he's going to bless them and that in turn they will bless the world. So they're to be a people of blessing. And God promises to love them and to never stop loving them. That's something that I try to talk to our girls about when I read the biblical stories, is that God loves people. God loves his people, and he doesn't stop loving them. It's a never-ending love because he promised. He promised to love his people. 
And so when God promises, you know you can bank on that promise because God's not a promise breaker. That's just not who God is. When God says something, you can bank on it. And so the first understanding of our portrait that we need to see painted in Scripture is that the church is the people of God. The second portrait is the body of Christ. And this is another interesting image. Uh, an illustration used in uh, the New Testament is that the church is the body of Christ. Now, uh, Millard Erickson puts it this way. He says, uh, perhaps the most extended image of the church is its representation as the body of Christ. Indeed, some apparently regard this image as virtually a complete definition of the church. While it is a very full and rich statement, it is not the whole of the account, but it is part of it. It says, the image emphasizes that the church is the locus of Christ's activity. A locus essentially means it's like the hub um, or the center point. It's the locus of Christ's activity now uh, just as, as was his physical body during his earthly mission. So basic Christian theology is that Jesus uh, is the incarnate son of God. So God came into the world, took on human form, and lived a human life, walking the earth, talking, moving about in, um, in a region in, um, in Israel. And it's like God, uh, God lived a life. And then Jesus, you know, like when he, I think he was 33, he was crucified. And then he was buried. And then he resurrected. So it's like basic Christianity is that he uh, resurrected bodily and then he ascended into heaven. So Jesus is no longer here on earth bodily, uh, but he is with us spiritually. And so what he then says is, since Jesus isn't here doing good things and loving people and healing and performing miracles and teaching and things like that, um, the the image of the church being Christ's body uh, is very important to understand. And so here's a, you can find that in First First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty seven. It says, "Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it." And in other places of Scripture, Paul refers as Paul refers to the church as the body. Uh, one big takeaway from that is that if the church is the body, uh, that both has implica- that has implications for um, the church itself, which the metaphor in Corinthians talks about how there's a, a lot of different parts to the body. So there's like fingers and the head and foot and you know you know you know what a body looks like, right? So there's different parts of the body and they all function together in harmony. And when the body works together uh, in a very healthy way, then the body performs really, really well. When the body is not functioning how it should be, um, like for example, I cut my arm a while back and my right hand is not functioning the way that it should be or was made to function. And so uh, my, my body is just not as healthy as it used to be. I'm not able to perform tasks and uh, do things around the house uh, to the degree that I want to. So that, that illustration, think of the church that way. There are people in the church, in your church, uh, in our church, that are designed and made by God 
uh, with they're given different personalities, different um, dispositions and natural skill sets. And when working together as a team, we uh, are able to complement one another. And when we work together in harmony, then our body is healthy and we are able to um, perform as we are, are ought, we ought to perform. And the other implication of that is it's, it's not just good for us, it's good for the world. When the body is functioning in a healthy way, now we're able to be useful. So just as Christ came into the world to love the world, to heal it, um, to teach it, and to show it a better way to live, that's what the church ought to be doing. The church ought to be going out in love and demonstrating to the world um, and continuing Jesus's ministry um, in the, on the earth. So the image of Christ's body, uh, like the church being Christ's body, means we are his hands and feet, as like a bunch of songs have put it. So when there's poor and um, folks down on their luck and folks that are having a hard time, like the least of these, whatever uh, phrase you want to say, when there's folks that need help, the church is the body of Christ, made by God, formed by God to be a help, to offer a helping hand to people, uh, excuse me, people and communities in need. So that's why the body of Christ is such a rich illustration and it has a lot of practical implications. Uh, let's see. The other one is, the other portrait is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is another really, really interesting one. So in First uh, Peter, Peter refers to the church as God's spiritual house. And every, uh, every believer in that, um, in that image or that metaphor of being a house, every believer is its, it's, its own like building block to this house. And we're described as living stones. So every single believer, uh, because Jesus is not here bodily, Jesus promised that when he ascended into heaven, he was going to give his presence to every single person that put their faith and trust in him. And so he'd be um, in relationship with his followers. Even though he's not there physically anymore, he is going to be in relationship to his followers spiritually. And so every single believer who puts their faith and trust in Jesus and follows him has the presence of Christ, the spiritual presence of Christ, or to put it short, uh, shorthand, they have the spirit. So every believer in the church has the spirit of God. Well, when we come together and when we're functioning together, the spirit of God is among us um, as God's house or his temple. And so the temple of the Holy Spirit, like we as individuals are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but the church um, as a whole is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is cool. Like this is really cool because uh, the Spirit of God, it says uh, in Romans that the Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the dead, the very power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. So the church has the power of resurrecting dead people in our church. Like the power to resurrect dead things and to blow life into dead bones and to um, invigorate communities and to change the world and to really love as God loves. That power is, is in the church because God is in the church. The Holy Spirit, the presence, the very presence of God is in the church. 
And that's super cool. It was very encouraging. Uh, so I'm going to move out of the biblical overview of the church and just try to paint a basic biblical definition. If I had to give a, of like a, just a straightforward definition of the church, I would say it is the community of faith practicing the way of Jesus. So the community of faith practicing the way of Jesus. So simply put, the church is the people. It's not a building. It's the people of God, not the building. It's an identity, not a thing that we do. So the church is an identity before it is anything that we do as a program or a building that we meet meet in. It's massive. You, like It's a huge, I know it sounds simple, but it is a huge paradigm shift. And and, and I, I put together, I just wrote down just some simple thoughts on um, if we don't make that paradigm shift, if we think, if we're operating under a, a wrong and unbiblical definition of uh, what the church is, if we're just inheriting a sort of cultural Christian understanding of what the church is, basically that it's a, either an event or um, a building, the problem is, is that you fail to live into the fullness of your identity. You're failing to live into the full and vibrant life that Christ has proclaimed is now your new identity. And so one of the ways it does that is I think, I think it makes the gospel kind of churchy. Um, the gospel, like the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, it makes it a little bit churchy. It's like, you know, that's something we think about at church. That's something we celebrate at church. Um, rather than it being the mark of our identity, you know, we're a people called out of darkness and into light. And so now like we're to proclaim that marvelous, like that good news, that marvelous light. Uh, the gospel is just kind of like put off into the corner. If church is just a building or a program, then the gospel, that thing that happens at church is just, just at church. Yeah, it's good news for church. But like, I got to go live the rest of my life. I got to go back to the real world. Got to go to work, the factory, or, you know, I'm at home and I'm plugging away on the computer because like I'm working remote and uh, I got kids and they're kind of stressful and I'm just like living my life. And then, you know, oh, Sunday, better go to church if I feel like it. And so the gospel is good news for only that place if church is only uh, an event or a building. That's one that's one uh, pitfall, I think. Another one is that if you think the church is a building or a program, it makes community sort of an add-on because, you know, community is a kind of a confusing, fuzzy word to begin with. I mean, community could mean like the city you live in or it could mean an idea of togetherness or whatever, but community is the way I'm referring to it is like the gathered people of God. Um, so God saves people, not just as individuals, but he saves them into a community. And so we are, we are the body. Let's use the body of Christ as an example. Um, the foot isn't like a foot by itself. The foot is a foot only in relationship to the rest of the body. So the, the Christian life is a profoundly communal experience. You are literally attached to one another and knit together by God's spirit. That is how he saved you. He's not just saved you. He saved you into uh, relationship and into community with one another. 
And so if your understanding of the church is that it's just a building to go to or a program to participate in sometimes, then community is something that is sort of tacked on to that or that it's compartmentalized. And what I mean by that is take, for example, in the Bible, it talks about how we are to um, provide for each other's needs. We are to love one another as Christ loved the church. We are to bear with one another, um, bear with one another's burdens, um, encourage one another, those types of things. If we only think that church is a Sunday morning thing, then that's the only time we're ever going to be doing that. You know, you walk in on Sunday morning, hey, hey brother, hey, brother Bill, like, good to see you. How are you? How are the kids? Great. We'll see you next week. It's like, meanwhile, this guy's maybe dying on the inside and he's depressed all as all get out and he just lost his job or whatever. And he's too kind of ashamed to say it because like you only have like a five second conversation with the guy. But if that's just not the time and place for it, right? Like if you, but if you're, if the church is an identity, then Bill is part of your church even when you're not at church. Do you know what I mean? Or to put it another way, you're always at church and because you are the church. And so now Bill's problems become um, concerning to you uh, at any day of the week. If you're friends with Bill or if you know him, you have an incentive to, how's Bill doing? I I, he, said, he mentioned last week that he was a little sad or that he lost his job. I want to check in and see how he's doing because we're the church and we ought to love one another. We ought to function together as a body. So I'm going to check in with Bill. So that's one, one area um, that I think community can get kind of weird. Another thing is that I think it makes mission. If you think of church as just the building or an event, it makes mission for the professionals. So woven into Basic Christianity, following Jesus is, I mean, you think about the story of Jesus in the Gospels. What's Jesus do with his disciples? He says, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Now, what that is saying is that Jesus is saying, you know what? When you follow me, now your new vocation, the, your entire way of life is going to be spreading uh, and evangelizing and getting on mission with me to tell the world the good news, to tell the world the good news of Jesus. And so that's part of like just basic Christianity is that now your life is oriented to, okay, I got to tell somebody about this thing because it's changed my life. It's changed our church's life. I got to go tell somebody about this. And that's just part of your identity is that you're people called out of darkness to proclaim God's marvelous light. But if church is only a Sunday morning thing and it's only a building, then you'll make mission for the professionals only because you come out, what's happening on Sunday morning? Typically on Sunday morning at most churches, the guys that are paid to do ministry, like pastors and worship leaders or whatever, uh, depending on your church context, uh, let's just take my, I'll just take our church context, Hope City, you know, we're a little church plant. And uh, I'm the only one on staff um, doing uh, the work of the ministry as it relates to, like, I'm, I'm spending full time trying to equip the saints. I'm spending full time teaching the Bible. Um, it's putting together the nuts and bolts of this church so that we can get this thing going. 
and uh, and I'm been given the privilege to do this as my job. Well, that doesn't make me like more Christian. That just makes me more specialized in how I'm going to serve the church, and it's a it's a privilege to be enabled to do those things. Um, but mission sharing the gospel is not just for the pastor. And so if somebody believes that at Hope City, then what they'll do is they'll say, yeah, great, pastor. I like, I love the vision you're casting. We got to plant churches so that we can reach the lost. There are tons of people that don't know the love of God and they're living sad, lonely lives. And, and you know, we got to go get those folks. We got to go tell them about Jesus. You're going to do that, aren't you, pastor? That's what I'm paying you for. Like, Gospel proclamation is just for Sunday mornings? Like, no, it's not. It's for all of life. And so if church is just a Sunday morning thing, then the mission of the church is only done on Sunday mornings, and that's not right. The mission of the church is done all the time. It's, it's an all-encompassing thing because the mission field is primarily, uh, you're, you're in the mission field actually most of the time when you're not at a church event. Because who's at church? It's Christians. Like existing Christians are at church events, typically. And so your primary mission field is your workplace or the party that you're at or, you know, the restaurant, um, your kid's softball game or whatever. Like you're, those are the mission fields. And so those are the places that it's most important for you to understand that it is your identity as the church. You're the people of God called out of darkness to proclaim marvelous light. You have God's power living in you. And not only that, when you're together outside of a church building, when you're together with other believers, let's say, uh, you know, Mark and Tim are Christians at the church and their sons both play on the same traveling baseball team. Well, Mark and Tim, if they understand that church is their identity, then they, they view what they're doing at the baseball team, both, yes, celebrating their kids um, playing sports and learning great things about life through sports, but in that, they're also eager to share the hope that they have in Christ with their unbelieving um, teammates and friends and parents of these kids. Like it's, It becomes a mission field, and it's, it's delightful to share the good news of Jesus um, outside of church events. It's life-giving. If you've never done that, it's invigorating. It's like, you know, uh, it, it really stretches you too because you're, if you're talking to somebody outside of church about Jesus, um, you have an opportunity to like not be so um, neat and tidy with how you talk about Jesus. Does that mean, do you know what I mean? Like if you're in a church, typically if, uh, if you've grown up around the church at all, if you're in a church building at a church event, you're like making sure that you don't swear at all, making sure that what you say is is very like churchy and theological, like, oh yeah, bless you, amen. Um, you know, how was your week, brother? Oh, great, like, I just, can I pray for you? You know, those types of things. Um, if you're talking to somebody at the baseball game, I mean, everyone's there to watch baseball. They're not there to listen to you talk about Jesus. And so if you're sitting next to somebody, you know, you're sitting next to Joe and Joe's watching his kid and you're telling, you're talking about, I don't know, you're talking about life with Joe. And all of a sudden it turns to like, yeah, Joe's like, man, it's been really tough. It's just been tough. Like my son is just, he's been kind of naughty and my wife and I are having a really hard time with it. And you know what you could do? 
you come into that situation, you can say, Joe, uh, I understand, man. Like I, I, it's been tough with my children too. Like parenting's tough, but you know, what's gotten me through it? Like I, ha- I have a relationship with Jesus and like Jesus' spiritual presence. Like he's really with me. And my wife and I, we, we really cling to that. And that's provided us with some actual tangible benefit. Like I feel more at peace and rooted. And, and I know that they're, they're, this will all make sense one day, even though like our kids are young and this doesn't make sense, that's stressful. But one day it will make sense. And I believe that because I believe in Jesus. And so whatever, however it comes out, you know, you're able to like speak into a circumstance um, that that's a really good opportunity to share the gospel. So living out your identity um, as being a member of the church in your everyday life is actually really powerful and um, arguably more important than than living it out on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is important, but it's totally not the whole thing. Like that's an equipping time for you to go do the work out in uh, out in the rest of your life. So here's the encouraging thing is that we're living through a time in in history where um, the church, it just doesn't seem like it's very healthy. Like I'm talking about the big C church. Um, The church, if you're looking at like, like who participates in church stuff, you know? Um, There's a lot of old churches, at least in my community, here in, in the Clinton area, the gateway. There's a lot of old churches a lot of church buildings that either aren't being used or they're scarcely being used. And that's for a ton of reasons that I won't even presume to guess on. But just the fact of the matter is, is that there aren't as many people going to church events. There aren't as many people going to church. And so we can look at that and we can either say, oh man, God is not as strong as he used to be and people don't care about him and we could bemoan the fact that we're losing ground or whatever and that the church is collapsing. But I don't think that's what's happening. And the reason I don't think that's what's happening is because in the Bible, God has promised to preserve the church. God says, I'm, Jesus says, I'm building this church. I'm building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So no matter what uh, obstacle is put in the path of God's people, we are going to blow through that thing. Now it's going to be tough. Um, but we will always make it through. Like the church will always be preserved because God's people will be preserved. He's promised that in the scriptures. He's not promised that your building will preserve. He's not promised that our programs will always be preserved. He's not promised that our styles will be preserved. So all of the things um, that if your understanding of the church is just the program or building, those things are vulnerable to failure. If your understanding is that the church is the people of God, that is not vulnerable to failure because God is preserving that. No matter what culture, time and place, season of life, anything, God is preserving the church. So that's super encouraging to me as I think through church planting um, because I can rest on that. I know that God is going to build this church like that's, that's just what I'm banking on. Uh, I don't know exactly know like how that's going to play out stylistically, you know, like I don't, I don't know the future of what kind of music we'll be singing to on Sunday mornings. I don't know the future of what kind of buildings we're going to be gathering in on Sunday mornings. 
I don't know. I don't know how it's going to look when we gather in small groups every single time, like what kind of meals we're going to eat, like all that stuff will work itself out. What we need to cling to is the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. And that will always be earth shattering, life changing good news. So I'm just going to cling to that. So I encourage you with first Peter, first uh, Peter two, nine, I'm gonna get my Bible. I always do this. I always like put my Bible off to the side and I got to get back up and get it. First Peter two, nine says, you are a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to declare. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So whether your church, is, if you're at a church that's struggling, whether you're at our church and we're just getting started, whether you're at a church that's just, it's in its prime, baby. You're like, it's, it's, it's banging. It's pumping on all cylinders. People are getting saved and baptized and life is good. What, whatever season of life you are in in your relationship with the church, know that God has called you to proclaim marvelous light. God has called you into his marvelous light. And so God is the main point here is that God has saved you. God has put you in uh, the church. And so you're, um, I don't know, there's a lot of people that I talk to if you're stressing out about buildings and stressing out about programs and COVID. Some people can't don't even want to go to church because they don't want to get sick and die. I understand that. I totally understand that. Um, but if your understanding of the church is, is, is a wrong understanding or unbiblical, then yeah, you can get pretty discouraged. But if your understanding of the church is an identity, an identity that is secured by God and he promises to keep it and preserve it, well, then you can stand on that. You can stand on that promise because God is God and you can bank on what he says. So that's what I want to leave you with. Go to, go to the Bible to root yourself in um, the identity that God has proclaimed over you in the gospel. So whether you're a part of Hope City Church or, or elsewhere, we just hope that this podcast serves to help you live for the glory of Jesus and the joy of your local community and that you would live into your identity as being a member of the church, that you have a vocation to become fishers of men, that you are fishers of men, and that your vocation is to bring the love of God to the world. And that is something that God has empowered you to do. And he will continue to empower you to do that. And so go in peace.